Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. If you're confused on where 2 Timothy is, it's right after 1 Timothy. <laughs> kind of toward the back. Um, I, I want to take a moment to talk to you, I think, about a, a topic that I feel like is, is so appropriate for the time that we're in as a country, um, as a culture, and as a community of faith. And so the title of the message today, and I hope you take notes, I want you to write down a few things because we know that history makers are note takers. So if you're taking notes, write this down. I want to talk to you about a courageous church in a crazy year. A courageous church in a crazy year. You guys got really quiet. How many of you, walking through 2020, this has been one of the most interesting, unpredictable years you have ever lived in your life? Yes, I've just been doing some reflecting on 2020. And I know there's still some time on the clock. We've got a few weeks left. How many of you are looking forward to 2021? Yeah, we start. Do you remember how we started this year? I mean, I know this year has been filled with some highs and, and a, a whole lot of lows and a lot of pressure all the way around. Do you remember how we started in January? You don't even remember that, do you? Doesn't it feel like three years ago? Well, if you rewind the clock, just you know, ten and a half months in January, man, we started with a bang. I mean, LSU dominated for the national championship. Come on, somebody. Do we have, remember Joe Burrow? Remember that? <laughs> Do you remember when our offense was just like dominating teams and picking people apart? Hey, last I checked, we're still national champions. Come on. Until they take it from us, we are still the defending champs. Man, we, we started with a bang. January was amazing. Man, this is going to be an amazing year. And then two months later, in March, COVID hit, the pandemic. Um, you know, I remember the last service, the, before the restrictions and the quarantine, the last normal service we had was March the 8th. And that was my birthday. I had no idea, but Lord, thank you for that birthday gift. <laughs> God, can you bring it back? You know, but that really ushered in a very different and unusual experience. All the restrictions, the, the fear, the uncertainty, the unknown about the virus. And then as we moved into the summer months, the racial and the social tension within our country. And you see these episodes across the, the United States and you feel, man, we're, we're ripping apart at the seams. You, you felt the anger, the animosity, and, and even the fear rising. And, you know, to go from pandemic to all the unrest. And then we hit the fall and, and then hurricanes. Hurricanes. My goodness, we've had, I think we've had five named storms. Is that true? Five named storms to hit the state of Louisiana in one. How many of you are from Louisiana? How many of you have never seen a busier hurricane season than this one? I mean, there's always a storm brewing somewhere. I think they got one right now. Um, we've already gone through all the letters of the alphabet. We've used all the Greek alphabet. Now we're just kind of making stuff up. Well, which one is this one? Mo? I don't, I don't know. 
It's crazy. And, you know, you you get through the fall, and then here we are in November. (sighs) Politics. All of this craziness packed into an election year. How many of you have experienced a little election fatigue? Oh, sweet Jesus. You know, if you were to make a list, if you were to just write down thoughts and words of what this year has held for you, how would you describe it? You know, one of the words that I wrote down this week, I wrote down the word loss. You know, loss. And I think a lot of times, some of us are grieving things and we don't even realize it. Some of you have lost friendships this year. You know, and, and, and maybe it's due to strife or p- political division. We'll talk about that in just a minute. You know, I've seen Facebook do a lot of things. I've never seen Facebook change somebody's mind, but I've seen Facebook change a lot of friendships. Maybe some of you have gone through this year and you've lost friendships. Maybe you've lost family members due to COVID-19. Maybe you had somebody that you love, somebody that, that you're related to that got sick and, and you saw them die because of the virus. You know, as a pastor, and I, this is kind of a family conversation, I, and I apologize. If this is your first time to HPC, I apologize, but I want to talk to you as a pastor and spiritual family um, because I think it's super, super important. But I want you to know sometimes, Rachel and I, we talk about this when it comes to loss. I grieve what once was. You know, I, I, you will never know how difficult it is to stand in a sanctuary that seats 3,000 people and see more seats then you do people. I mean, at one time, our, our church services were just packed with people. And I understand because of restriction, many of you have watched online, and I'm grateful we can still be a part of this. But I just want you to know, when I don't see you, I miss you. And some of you, I have seen at Albertsons, and I have almost attacked you because I just want to hug you. I'm just, a, I'm, a, I'm a feeler. I'm a, you know, as a pastor, you love being with your people. Can I have a good Amen. And sometimes I just grieve what once was. I think about loss. I got a text this week from uh, one of the great dads of our church, a great family that's been a part of this church for a long time. They have beautiful children. And he texted me and he said, Mike, would you pray for my 11-year-old son? He's always battled with anxiety, but he's carrying such fear about the election. 11 years old and carrying such fear. You know, this thing, 2020 has not just impacted us as adults, but how many of you know it affects our children too? What they see, what they feel, what they sense, and what they absorb. And, you know, I just felt the Lord say, pay attention to the tension. You know, this this year has been pressurized. It's been unprecedented. We've walked through things that I've never seen in my lifetime. And yet in the midst of it, God places his church. Here we are as the body of believers and God, it was not by accident, but God knew exactly what he was doing when he created you and put you here on planet earth in 2020. And then what is the response of the church? Here we are, a body of believers. We are broken, but we're beautiful. We're messy, but we're meaningful. Come on, are you with me? And I just want to encourage the spiritual family today. I I want to talk to you out of a passage that I think is really going to minister to you, and it's going to equip you to be courageous in the midst of all the crazy. Is anybody interested in that? I feel like that this could be, listen, I'm not buying the gloom and doom that's out there. I want to tell you that. My heart is filled with hope. I believe that this could be one of the greatest moments in the history of Christianity.
And God would assemble us as brothers and sisters in the Lord. With crisis, with pressure, comes great kingdom opportunity. And if you have your Bibles, look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. Let me give you some context here. This is written by the Apostle Paul while he is in prison. Think about that. He'll talk about his suffering and imprisonment. But Paul is writing this letter to a young pastor named Timothy. Uh, Timothy's pastoring a church in Ephesus, and at that time, Ephesus was a big cultural melting pot. It was full of diversity. It was a, a place of commerce and growth, and Timothy is pastoring this church, and while Paul is in prison, he writes him a letter. And Paul is in his final days. Some scholars believe that he was in his mid-60s, and he had accomplished a lot in his lifetime. Um, at 64 AD, the city of Rome was burned to the ground, and the Caesar at the time was Nero, and he blamed the Christians for doing that. This is a time when there was growing hostility among the Christian faith. Uh, the apostles were being martyred left and right. Those who had walked with Jesus, they were losing their lives because of their faith. At this time, there was an intentional movement to silence the voice of the church. And you know, I see a lot of similarity in that day and this day. You can sense a growing hostility against people of faith. You can see an intentional movement to silence the voice of the church. Hey, you guys just shrink back and shut up. Don't say anything. And yet the Apostle Paul is speaking to young Timothy as a father would a son. And I want you to read this with me in 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting with verse 12. Paul says these words. He says, Timothy, that's why I'm suffering here in prison, but I'm not ashamed of it, for I know the one. I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure, I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until the day of his return. Oh, come on. How many of you are encouraged already just reading that? Let, let, let me read that to you again. Again, the Apostle Paul at the end of his life is in prison, and he says, hey, this is why I'm suffering here in prison, but I'm not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust. I'm sure that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until the day of his return. If you're taking notes, I want to give you three simple things as we move through this passage uh, that I think are going to help us. Be the courageous church that God's called us to be in the midst of a crazy year. And number one, write down this this phrase, knowing God. Knowing God. The Apostle Paul says, Timothy, I want you to know God. Church, hear me. There are a lot of things that I don't know or understand about this year. But I know the one. I know the one. I don't understand a lot of the nuances of culture, I, the, 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 the pressure of politics, the societal unrest. There's a lot of things that I don't know about the sickness, the pandemic, but I know the one. And Paul is telling Timothy, you may not understand everything, but if you know the one, you're going to be okay. You see, listen, I believe sometimes God will allow us to walk through some hard things so that we will know God better. How many of you know it's the hard stuff that teaches you about the Lord? When, when everything is fine, and man, you're celebrating, and man, you're winning championships, and man, it's just all good. How many of you know it's fun to celebrate, but we learn more in the valleys? 
Man, I've learned way more about God through my suffering than I ever did through my celebrating. Paul says, I want you to know the one. Do you know him? I pray that you know God better in November than you did in January. Sometimes he's got to walk us through the hard stuff so we can understand things about him that we didn't realize before. Do you know him? Knowing God is is the most important thing. Whatever your goals were in January, I pray that whatever season and pain that you've walked through, that you know God better now than you did then. You know, sometimes I... Uh, as parents, I think you'll uh, uh, understand this. How many of you have at, at times in your children's lives, you were with them in a public place and they, they, they pretended that they didn't know you? Is that, is that happen in your home too? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm taking my kids to school. You know, it's funny because Trevor, now he's 13 years old and he's, you know, big old bold, you know, bowed up guy. And, you know, he's the little bishop. They call me the bishop of biceps. He you know, he's, he's tough now. He's a football player, but I'll take him to school. And I love I loved telling him I love him in front of his friends. Isn't that the best? And, you know, getting out of the car, and that carpool thing is just a real strategic, you know, he, it's like he's getting his book sack, and he doesn't, you know, I, I don't know who this guy is, and I'm just like, uh-uh, Trevor, I love you. <laughs> Have a great day at school. How many of you, your parents embarrassed you when you were younger? It's kind of a rite of passage, is it not? You know, I, I, listen, I, I want that boy to know I love him. I care about him. No, no, please don't do that. I don't know you. I don't. Who are you? Sometimes I wonder if God's saying, well, wait, you act like you don't even know me. Come on now. Do you see where we're stepping? Well, don't go through this year and press panic. You, you act like you don't know who I am. Oh, boy. I, I, I may not know who's going to occupy the White House, but I know who still sits on the throne. Come on. Are you with me? Uh, Listen, we can't discard our faith and embrace fear because then we act like we don't even know who God is. Uh, Paul says, I may be suffering in prison, but I know the one. And listen to me. If you know the one, you're going to be okay. I I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds my future. I know him, and that's what matters most. You know, I read a statistic recently. This is is very telling. I want you to hear this. They say the average American spends 90 hours a week on social media and online entertainment. 90 hours a week. That's a lot of time. 90 hours a week on social media and online. Some of you are Facebooking right now. I know. I see. It's all right. It's okay. It's all good. Just stream this thing live. Come on. We're coming at you live through Facebook, baby. I want you to consider this. And and there's a lot of voices. There's a lot of influences that are out there. Uh, there, there, There's a lot of things from TV to movies to, to, you know, political pundits to TikTok to all this stuff. I mean, it just bombards our culture. Watch this. 90 hours a week on social media, online entertainment. Let's say, now let's compare that to church. Let's say you're faithfully committed to church every Sunday. Now, statistically, we know that is shrinking because they say your most committed members are there twice a month. But let's say you're above average. Let's say you come to church every Sunday. What's the average sermon time? What's the average service time? What's the length of our service once a week? Maybe an hour and a half at best, okay? So let's take 90 hours of social media and compare that to 90 minutes 
of church. Who's discipling this generation? Who's influencing our sons and our daughters? Come on, are you with me? We need to know God this, this year. We need to know him better now than we did when we first started this year. And, 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 and thank God for Google. And a lot of times if you want information, you try to find Google. You're searching on Google. Listen, search God before you search Google. And make sure, because there is a lot of influence that's out there. And it's almost like all the media outlets have some sort of bias or spin. News is no longer about information. It's about manipulation. Come on, talk to me. Mm, 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 mm. And if you're not convinced in the authority of this book, then you're going to be a slave to whatever sounds good. And there's a lot of things that sound good, but they're not God. Come on, are you with me? You see, I know guys that can quote 10 years of LSU football statistics, but they can't even quote 10 scriptures in the Bible. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. Knowing God. You see, look at what Paul says. For I know the one in whom I trust. Let me tell you what knowing builds. Knowing God builds three things in your life. When you know God, it builds trust. You see, the longer I serve him, the more I know him, the better I trust him. You see, when we know the Lord, out of that relationship, there comes a deep sense of trust. Paul says, I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure. Not only does knowing build trust, but knowing builds confidence. You can be confident. Why? Because you have a history. You have a relationship. You've been walking with the Lord. The apostle Paul says, even here in this prison, in the midst of my suffering, I know the one in whom I trust and I am fully persuaded. I'm confident. Come on, somebody. You don't have to live in panic when you know the one. He says, I know the one in whom I trust and I am sure that he's able to guard what I've committed to him until the day of his return. You know what that is, the day of his return? That speaks of hope. You know, knowing God builds trust, it builds confidence, and it builds hope. Listen to me, church. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is returning. And part of my responsibility as your pastor is to tell you, yes, understand the times in which we're living, but know and prepare for his return. Mm, knowing God, number one. Look at verse 13. Paul goes on to tell Timothy, he says, Timothy, I want you to hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching. The teaching that you learned from me, a pattern that's shaped by faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Uh, Paul is telling Timothy, you, you got to know the Lord, but then number two, you got to stay on mission. I want you to hold to the teaching, that wholesome teaching. There's a pattern that you've seen in me. Timothy, you know me. You trust me. You've seen my credibility and the fruit of my life. What I've given to you, hold on to that, guard that, and that will keep you on mission. You see, my concern for, for many of us for the church at large, is that this year, because of pain and pressure and even panic, this year has created massive distractions. It's easy to get off course. Sometimes we set goals in January, and then now here we are in November, and had I not written those goals down, I wouldn't even remember what I'd said. 
So many things have happened. It's like, whoa, throw that plan out the window. I'm just trying to survive. And if we're not careful, we will get off mission. And God wants us, especially in this hour, not only to know him, but to stay on course. Are you catching this today? Scripture says, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. I want you to know the enemy wants to distract you to get you off course. And there are three things that the enemy uses to keep you from fulfilling your mission. Are you ready? Three things. He uses division, confusion, and fear. Can I talk to you just for a few minutes about those three things? Somebody say division, say confusion, say fear. These three things, I want you to consider this. You know, it's amazing the division that we see in our country right now. And what's concerning to me is how that division is creeping into the church. I want you to know what I love about this church. I love what God is doing in this house. Healing Place is a large church, and we make no apology for that. We want to be big enough to reach the world. When I get to heaven, I want to see heaven populated because of the work we did here on earth. Healing Place is a large church. We're an influential church. By the, because of your service in this community, your generosity and your commitment to the things of God, not only are we large, but we're influential. And I love that. I love being able to leverage our influence to reach people for Christ. But guess what? Perhaps one of my favorite things about this church, we are diverse. I want you, if you're here in this building right now, I want you to look across this sanctuary. If you're in the raised seating, kind of check out the people to your left and right. Isn't that awesome? That's fantastic. Man, there's such diversity here. We are different in backgrounds. We are different in experiences. We are different in gender. We are different in generation. We are different in ethnicity. Don't you love that? I think heaven is going to look on a macro version what we're seeing here at HPC. I love it. But do you know, being large, influential, and diverse, we are set up for division. And nothing divides like politics. Come on, are you with me? You see, now this is where I begin. Here's my caution to us as a body of believers. Because we have different perspectives. And I see how things have played out, you know, in our country. And you even watch how people talk to each other on social media. And I'm like, oh, wow. It's very concerning to me. Can we disagree politically and still love unconditionally? Can we have different perspectives when it comes to politics but still be united in the spirit? Oh, listen, I believe that a nation divided is desperate for a church united. A nation that is split in two, and you watch the news, and you see what's playing out across this country, and there's such polarization, and nothing divides like politics. And if this nation is going to experience healing, a nation divided needs a church that's united. Can we set an example to this community and to this region? Hey, that healing place, (laughs) that healing place is a diverse place, but they love Jesus. Jesus. 
Let me tell you, there's a lot of differences there, different thoughts and feelings and experiences and expressions, different styles. But man, when we come here, we unite around Jesus. And Jesus that unites us is greater than anything that can divide us. Don't let the division out there, don't let the division on the outside get on the inside. Oh, we got to keep our hearts in a different place. This is so important. I want you to consider this. And when I read this the other day, I was shocked. But guess how many different Christian denominations there are? Guess how many different, in the church, in the Christian church, guess how many different denominations there are? 33,000 denominations. Is that staggering or what? When I heard that, I nearly fell out of my seat. I can barely name 15 denominations, much less 33,000. I mean, I know you got Baptist and Presbyterian, you got Lutheran, you got Pentecostal, you got Assembly of God, Church of God, Church of God in Christ, First Baptist, Second Baptist, Free Will Baptist, Independent Baptist. You got them all, every label under the sun. I mean, I can't even keep up with it all. How did those 33,000 denominations begin? Because in the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, we were one church. Just one. We were followers of the way, filled with the Holy Spirit, united in faith and power. And in 2,000 years, we splintered off into 33,000 different denominations. Think about it. The word denomination comes from the root word denominator. And it's a fraction. you got numerator, denominator. It means divided by. Well, we didn't agree with what you said here, so we're going to split off and form our own denomination. Well, we disagree with that, so we're going to split off. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, would you help us? No wonder the church has been paralyzed and disempowered because we're divided. Jesus, in his final prayer, you know what he prayed over his disciples before he left? The final thing that Jesus asked, he said, John 17, you can read it. He says, Lord, would you make them one just as you and I are one? Then the whole world will know. Watch this. You see what unity does? Unity speaks to a watching world that the gospel works. Are you with me today? Uh, Why do we let differences divide us? Let's unite. We got to look for and work toward unity. It's kind of the difference between the vulture and the hummingbird. How many know there's a big difference between those two birds? They're birds, but they're very different. A vulture, watch this, is attracted to death. A vulture will fly over living things because he's searching for the carcass of a dead animal. That's what he's looking for, and so that's what he's attracted to. But the hummingbird is quite the opposite. A hummingbird is attracted to life. A hummingbird will fly over dead things in order to find the nectar inside of that flower and pull it out. Can I tell you this? Whether you're the vulture or you're the hummingbird, you get what you're looking for. Let me ask you this. What are you looking for? Some people are looking for difference, looking for division, looking to be offended. Well, I don't like what this pastor said. Well, I don't like what she posted. Well, I can't believe. And what are we doing? We're like vultures looking for division. When God says, no, 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 be a hummingbird, be attracted to life. Man, fly over some of the differences so you can unite in what brings life to you. Are you with me today? See, the enemy, he loves division. You know what else he loves? He loves confusion. 
Oh, my goodness. Is it just me, or does it feel like this day and age, somebody has kidnapped common sense? (laughs) Well, you ever just scratch your head and think, what planet am I living on? The older I get, the more I find myself saying, well, back in my day, and I used to cringe when my parents would say, back in my day, and now I'm becoming, Dad, thank you, I'm becoming you. Back in my, it just... it's it's amazing how we've drifted away from common sense. Listen, when you walk away from common sense, you open the door to confusion. And when confusion comes in, you know what confusion brings? There's a twin to confusion. It's called deception. Confusion and deception work together. And yet the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 that God is not the author of confusion. Can I tell you what God wants us to do? Not only does he want us to walk in unity, but he wants to give us clarity. I believe this is a day, this is a time when God wants to bring clarity to his church. In the the middle of chaos and confusion, God wants you to know who you are, who he's created you to be, and the purpose that he's placed you here on this earth. Come on, are you feeling that like I am? There have been moments where I've been confused, but I want you to know this. The God inside of me is never confused. The God who dwells in you is not confused. He called you. He created you. He empowers you. He can tell you exactly where to go and how to get there. The enemy loves division, confusion, and you know what else he leverages? He leverages fear. Oh, man, fear, so much uncertainty. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, he says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, and love, and what? A sound mind. Oh, listen to me, church. If you know him, do you know the one? Do you know him? Because that makes all the difference. Now, listen, if you don't know him, you can't claim these promises for your life. But if you know him, You don't have to be dominated by fear. He's given you power. He's given you a spirit of love and a sound mind. Paul is telling Timothy, he's saying, Timothy, have a backbone. Timothy, walk in courage. I know these are crazy days, and there's a lot of different words and influences and pressures, but if you know God, you can stay on mission. Amen, you're receiving this? Let me wrap this up. Verse 14. Let me give you this final thought. Then he finishes this little portion of the letter by saying, Timothy, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that's been entrusted to you. Notice how he ends this portion of his letter. Not only does he say knowing God and staying on mission, but he says you can live in the Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. That word spirit in the Greek, there's a Greek word for the word spirit. It's called pneuma. And that word pneuma means air for breathing. In fact, won't you do this? I want everybody to take a deep breath right now. Breathe in. Now exhale. Didn't that feel good? Breathing. You know, your body cannot survive without air. Just as the body is made for breathing, the spirit is made for believing. And Paul's telling Timothy, you live in the Spirit. You may not have the answer for everything around you, but if you know God, you can stay on mission and you can live 
by the Spirit. You know, this, this week, <laughs> this has been, it's been a crazy week. And honestly, I've had to just kind of detox my soul from some of the, the, the media and the voices around me. Have you had to do that? I think it'd do some of you really, really good if you just take a, a three-day fast from social media. Just don't watch the news for three days. Try that. Try Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of this week and say, you know what? I'm not even going to watch the news. Some of you, that makes you nervous. But some of you, it's going to be like therapy for your soul. I had to do that this week. And I, yesterday evening, I sat down. We have an old upright piano in the house. And um, it's out of tune, but I don't care because I hit all the wrong notes, you know. And, um, but I sat down at the piano yesterday evening, and I began to play an old song that I, I remember my dad had taught me. It's amazing how what you learn as a child, it just stays with you. And one of those old school songs, it, it, I sat down and I thought about my dad. I'm like, I can't even believe I still know this song. Some of you know it. Some of you are familiar with it. I started playing the song. The lyrics go, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Boy, as I begin to play that, I just felt peace come over me. Man, the Spirit of God began to, this is living in the Spirit. The Spirit of God began to minister to me. I mean, I, I don't understand everything that's happening in our country, our culture, what's even happening in our community. But Lord, I want to stay in the Spirit. And God began to remind me, son, you are in this world, but you're not of it. He says, son, keep your eyes on me. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. That's the only thing I can count on. Listen, if your trust is in a man, you're going to be majorly disappointed. Listen, if your trust is in a political party, I'm telling you what. You see, the narrative of the world, watch this. The narrative of the world is you either got to be conservative or liberal, Democrat, Republican, Fox News, CNN, Black Lives Matter, or believe in the police. You know what? Don't let the narrative of this world force your faith into one box or another. The God that we serve will not fit in a box. Because we are citizens of a kingdom that's not of this world. This is what living by the Spirit is. And as I begin to play, and this song was just begin to minister to me, uh, I got a text from one of the guys on staff here. And he sent me this picture. He said, Pastor Mike, I want you to check this out. I'm up here at the church. This was yesterday evening at about 4.30, 5 o'clock. He says, check out this picture. Look at that right there. <laughs> Whew. When I saw that picture... And, and you, you know the story behind, behind the rainbow in, in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 9. After the earth had been flooded because of all of its wickedness, God put a rainbow in the sky. And it was a promise to Noah. He says, Noah, I want you and every future generation to know this is my promise to my people. And, and, and when George sent me that picture yesterday, oh, man, I felt like God was saying, I'm like, this rainbow is a promise, not just for you, but it's for that church. He said, it's for my people. You are a people of promise. God is going to take care of everything that concerns us. 
Don't let the news or the uncertainty or politics or what's happening in this country, don't let that get in your spirit. God says you're in this world, but you're not of it. I know how to take care of what belongs to me. Come on, do you receive that today? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.